following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, now. Good afternoon, everybody. Oh, y'all the coolest people in all of Austin. You're my peeps. You're my adopted children. Thank you, Ted. You're my adopted kids. I love you. I got a card the other day from somebody in this session. And uh, they wrote it, and it's one of the most beautiful cards I've ever read in my life, and they didn't sign their name, and that aggravated me. (laughs) Now, if you're going to write a bad card, you want to make fun of me or criticize the church, don't sign your name, because I'm going to still love you in spite of you. But when you write a good card, sign your blessed name. (laughs) Because I want to know who wrote that. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I'll run on that like Elijah did on that, on that angel food cake that he ate there in the desert. I'll run on that for about 40 days. It's amazing. What a joy to see you. Hey, this is a 12 o'clock service, the second time we've been back in this since the pandemic has hit. But what a joy to see you. I love you. I'm going to get right into the Word. Would you stand all over the house? You're amazing people. I know you've stood during the music. Wasn't that music awesome? Didn't they do well? Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that great? Now, I'm going to introduce today the greatest lesson that God has ever taught me. I want to introduce that today, the greatest lesson that God has ever taught. Now, this is going to take some time to get used to, but I'll be pointing on this, and I'll be rewinding it and moving it forward I'll be, I'll be working this over for long. But what a joy to have it. It's, uh, it's kind of neat. It, it, it keeps us on track better with our time situation. And I thank God for all of our AVL men back there that make me sound good, even though I, I don't have the best voice in the world to sound good with. But what a joy. This is my, this is my Jubilee Sunday. Fifty years ago today, I preached my first sermon. Fifty years ago today. On this Sunday. I hope I've improved a little. uh, Because if you'd have heard that sermon, you'd have never wanted to hear me again. It was absolutely pitiful, pathetic, horrible, atrocious. And the only thing that was good about it is I got real close to God from the Tuesday to the Sunday when I delivered it. When I heard I had to preach, I was going to get to preach. And then the Sunday I did preach, boy, me and God got real close because I was whining and crying and walking and talking and throwing up. I threw up. I lost probably six pounds from that Tuesday to Sunday. I mean, I couldn't eat. I couldn't do nothing. I was scared to death. But here we are 50 years later, and uh, I look a little more mature than I did then. (laughs) And I had hair then, and it was a different color then. I had a good, I had a good uh, hairstylist, and, and they kept it dyed for me. I'm teasing. I want to preach a little bit today on that subject, and I'm going to Genesis chapter 2, and, and, and the Bible says this, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, That was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, all the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. He was a smart man, wasn't he? 
brilliant man. He was made in the image of God, formed from the dust, breathed in the breath of life, and he became a living soul. The greatest lesson God ever taught me, say, I'm going to help you, Pastor. And you may be seated. Let's have good church in third session, all right? Amens are good. A Baptist nod is good. A Methodist cough is good. Anything you want to give me. You know, Genesis, Genesis represents first things. It's creative concepts. It's the new beginnings, the fresh starts of life. Many people that I have preached to through the years, this is the third church. I was in Dallas for seven years. I was in a place in Louisiana, DeRitter, for three years. I've been here for 30 years, and I did organizational work those other years and evangelized. But many people see me as a man who genuinely loves people. I've had that. Not a man that can preach real well, but a man that loves people. And that's been a gift of mine and a calling of mine to love people where you are and to take you where God wants you to be. And I think maybe after 50 years of trying to love people, I think I'm getting closer to being that person that you may think I am. I also believe that God has used some of the principles and catchphrases I've shared to bless people with, such as the catchphrase today, God, God's greatest lesson He has ever taught me. But I think sometimes we omit some things that are major, and we major on things that are not so pertinent. We major on minors. We shouldn't do that. So here, before I introduce this powerful principle, i got to tell you a quick story. Fifty years ago today, in a little town called Leveland, a church I was raised in, I had finished my second year in college, and I was coming back to Lubbock that had a tornado in 1970 in the the summer, and it was in August, and I had come back to help with remodeling, and there was a man who was the foreman of the job that was a great Christian man, and then there was a pastor who was a bivocational pastor. He both pastored and worked. And he was a good man. He was a kind man. And so one day he came up to me, it's only Tuesday, he came up to me and he said, he said, Brother Rex, are you, uh, are you feeling the call to the ministry? <clears throat> and I said, well, you know, I, I was one of those kind that was kind of reluctant. I said, well, I think I am. I, I really do. He said, well, I want you to come over Sunday night and exercise that call. Well, when he said that, I just threw up. I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just the way it was. I just went to the bathroom and I had a heave whole party. And then an hour later I went and had another one. And it was just, it was just, it was hard to even think that somebody had asked me that quick. I thought you're supposed to just kind of ease into it. And so I went over there on that Sunday and I drove up. The church was the old church I was raised in. I was a little old kid there. Some of the members that were there still remember me when I was eight, nine, ten years old. And I went in there to preach, and, you know, a prophet's not, I wasn't a prophet, but a prophet's not considered anything in his own country. And so I went in there to preach, and so I I told the Lord, I said, now, Lord, I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to make a deal. Here I was, you know, 20 years old. I'm going to make a deal with you, Lord. I said, Lord, if there's nobody that gets saved tonight, or nobody gets healed, or nobody gets delivered, or nobody is baptized, Lord, I'm done. I'm just not going to preach anymore. I was quitting before I got started because I wanted to say that I had tried and then it just didn't work out. So when I preached that night, I realized real, right away, I went about 20 minutes, should have, I was about 10 minutes over what I should have preached. I should have quit at about 10 because that last 10 got real sticky. But when I got through, I realized the audience was the people I went to church with and, and they had been saved older, longer than I was old. 
I wasn't old. In other words, they had been saved 40 and 50 years, and I was 20 years old. So I knew that nothing going to happen. It's just preach, dead. It was like hunting, dead. Except for the fact that they say, God bless him. Oh, Lord, bless little brother. Bless our little brother tonight. Bless our little brother, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Help him, Lord. God, help him. Nobody was saying amen. They were saying, Lord, help him. So when it was all over, I went back to the back here and knelt down and prayed. And I really started crying. It broke my heart because nobody came. They'd, they'd had to run forward. I wasn't going to ask anybody. I thought everybody was saved. And so the pastor was up dismissing, and all of a sudden I heard this little smidgen of a hand clap, just a little pause, this little hand clap. And, and I got up, and I heard somebody say, hey Amen, praise the Lord, glory to God. And, and I got up and I looked, and I was, I was crying. I had tears in my eyes, and I thought I was seeing, I thought I was seeing something, a vision or something, but I saw a lady and her daughter, 17-year-old daughter, walk in to the church. Church was over. The message, the powerful message had already been delivered. And she walked right down the middle aisle, came to the front, said, Can we find Jesus here? And the pastor said, Yes, you can. And he led them to the Lord and laid hands on them, and they arose and were baptized. And then he laid hands on them again, and they both received the baptism of the Spirit. I mean, God just did the whole thing. And then here's the greatest lesson that God ever gave me. God tapped me on the shoulder, and, and it, 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 it was as loud as my voice is to you today in my head. The Lord said to me, Son, I didn't call you to save people. I didn't call you to heal people. I didn't call you to deliver people. I called you to preach the gospel. And let's, He said, let's just make a deal. Why don't you just do what I called you to do, and let me do the healing? Let me do the saving. Let me do the delivering because I'm God and I can do that for you. You can say amen to that. that. That's the greatest lesson I ever got. Here it is. God works as a partner with man. Put it up on the screen. God works as a partner with man. The man that He created, God works as a partner. And so today, 50 years later, I'd like to tell you about the firm that I work for. It's not a law firm. It's a grace firm. It's not an Old Testament firm. It's a New Testament church firm. I work with a senior partner named Jesus Christ. And I am the junior partner. And he and I have a great relationship and a great partnership. In fact, we go arm in arm through this world together. I am never by myself. I am never alone. I never step to this pulpit without my senior executive right here with me. I'm never by myself when I'm all alone at home because he said he'd be with me all the way even to the end of the world. That's how God wants it. And so I, I want to I tell you here, God does things that only God will do. And man does something in response to something God has done or anticipation of what God will do. But God and man, think about that, God and man, a partnership. Amen. That's the greatest lesson I've ever learned, the greatest secret I've ever known. See, I'm an heir of salvation. Say, I'm an heir. And I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Say, I'm a joint heir. So an heir gives me rights, and a joint heir gives me privileges. In other words, because 
I am who I am and he is who he is and we formed this partnership 50 years ago. I can speak things that I want to speak and the senior executive of my life says I can help you with that. Ah, I can talk things that I never would talk without him and he said we can make that happen because he's my God. You can help me preach. So it changes your thought process. It changes your response. It changes your future when you understand that happened. See, the Bible said God made the animals and they had no name. They were incomplete. So he said to Adam, name these animals. And Adam named those animals according to some characteristic that they possessed, indicative of his intellect. Adam was a smart man because he was the first man ever created. He was made in the image of God. He had creative ability. Can I tell you, you have creative ability. Some theologian said he did this in one day, folks. One day. One day. Can you imagine seeing a big old hippopotamus come up there? And he called it a hippopotamus. He said, you're so big it's going to take five syllables. And then he saw a rhinoceros that wasn't quite so big. He said, you're going to have to have four syllables, rhinoceros. And then he got to call in a buffalo and an elephant and a crocodile. He got to call in these as the day progressed. Then he got to two-syllable words like gazelle and like a chicken and like a leopard. And like a hamster and like a sparrow, he called them all. But as the evening came on, Adam was probably mentally tired, physically tired, so he just said, that's a cow. That's a horse. That's a dog. That's a cat. And that's a rat that he's chasing. That's a fish. That's a goat. That's a pig. Because he was running out of names. But God gave Adam responsibility of naming every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and every creature in the deep. He gave him the privilege of doing that. You know why? Because Adam had authority over them. Sometimes in our walk with God, we walk in fear and not authority. And we need to walk in authority. So because he had authority, God gave him dominion over all those animals, all those birds. You know, there's an example of that in the book of Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, captured the Israelites. There were three teenage boys, or four actually, that came in, and they were bright, and they were above board with all their, their doings, and they had understanding. And their names were Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, and Nebuchadnezzar renamed them Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. You know why? He had authority over them. He had dominion over them because he had conquered them. And he named Daniel Belshazzar. But Daniel didn't write the book of Belshazzar. He said, I'll just think I'll keep my Jewish name and just be Daniel. And I'll write that. So why? He had conquered them. God says, I have authority. God is the authority of the whole world. He made everything and everything in it. Without him, there was not anything made that was made. He created it all. Do you buy that? Do you understand that? God made it all. And so if God created it all, he must have authority over it all. But he says, and I give that authority to you. It's yours. You have authority. In Psalms chapter 4, he said it this way. Chapter 8, pardon me, verse 4 through 6. He said, what is man? David said this, that thou art mindful of him. And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Oh, I love this. And have crowned him with glory and honor. Watch verse 6. You made him to have dominion 
over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under His feet. Can I declare something to you tonight, today, folks? Can I tell you something right out of my heart? God has given us dominion over the things that He has made. He's created. We have dominion. We don't have to worry about being afraid in this society. We have dominion in our lives. And He has put all things under our feet. When you ask me how I'm doing, you know what I tell you? I'm on the top side of it. You know why I tell you that? Because everything that God has created is under my feet. I refuse to let things that God said is under my feet to be on my head. I believe with all my heart that the church has an authority, hallelujah, and a dominion and a power that the world cannot stand. You know, Jesus, Jesus took his disciples one time to Caesarea Philippi and they played a little game out there, I guess. He said, who do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, well, some say you're Jeremiah and some say you're John Baptist and some say you're Elijah and some say you're a prophet. He said, who do you say I am? Now, now you've got to understand this. Let me stop. Because at Caesarea Philippi it was a Roman city and they had gods all in the walls around those caves around that town. And they worshiped these idols. One was Hermes. One was Echo. And they had one named Pan, P-A-N. And Pan was a, a, a god that was half goat and half man. And, and, and we get the word panic because he, he scared people. He, was, he, he made people afraid. So we, we get the word panic from Pan. We also get the word pandemic from that. And there's some gods of the world right now that want us to be fearful, want us to be afraid. And yes, the COVID is serious business. And it is something that has locked America down. But I declare to this congregation today that I'm going to sit here and tell somebody named Jesus when he says, who do you say I am? I'm going to say, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, Simon, Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed that to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed that to you. And he said, but thou art Peter. Jesus gave him a name change when he identified the senior partner in his life. Hear me, if you want some power in this world, in a world of pandemic, in a world of panic, get a hold of the senior partner in your life and let him change your name from fear to power. Oh, hallelujah. Ah. Oh, my Lord. Oh, cool me down, Jesus. The same Joshua, the same Joshua that said, Sun, stand still, and moon, hold over the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still for about a day, and the moon stopped. The same Joshua said in Joshua 24, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen, it don't matter if you're stopping the universe or stating things in your home. God Almighty said, You are my junior partner. You know, when I was a sophomore in high school, and I've told this story before, but when I was a sophomore in high school, I, uh, I went to get a drink of water one day, and a, a senior came up. You know, they, used, they like to initiate sophomores. And he grabbed me by the collar, and he yanked me off the water fountain. He said, punk, get over here, and you'll drink after me. 
And I happened to have a big brother that was also a senior that was known as the toughest man in high school. 6'3", about 225, and he was bad to the bone, and I ran from him when he got mad at me. I really did, because I was a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I learned how to love a long time ago. <laughs> I'm getting tickled at myself right now. But there was a football player on the other side of the hall. He said, hey, do you know who that is? He said, I don't care who it is. He said, yeah, you need to know who that is. I said, who is it? That's Eddie Johnson's little brother. And when he heard the name Eddie, my big brother named Eddie, when he heard that, he came up to me and said, hey, man, come on here and have a drink. Let me, let me turn it on for you. And I got a drink. I got a drink of water. And I walked away saying, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. That man never bothered me again. His name was Larry Crawford. And if you're hearing me preach today, Larry, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> Here's what I want to tell you. There's something that's got a hold of me and has had a hold of me for the last 50 years. I am a junior executive in the, in the, in the, in the grace firm of Jesus Christ, my senior executive officer. And when I am in need, he's there to supply it. When I need deliverance, He's there to give it. When I need something to come to me, I just speak it and it happens. Because He said, you are mine and I'm yours. That's the greatest lesson the Lord ever taught me. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. You know, everybody say God works through people. So if He does, somebody needs to start making some declarations. I went up to a couple after second service. They said, Pastor, we can't wait to get home. We're going to start declaring some things over our house. Well, it's time to do that. Amen. Because you turn the TV on now, and all you're going to get is negative, 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 down, 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 bad, bad, bad. And it's not that. In the kingdom of God, it's not that way. Jesus said, pray when you pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I promise you there's peace in heaven, and there can be peace in your house. You got to turn some things off and turn some things on. You got to turn off the tube and turn on your praise. Oh, start making some declarations. Start making some declarations. You know, I, I, I remember the latter rain. I, I, I remember that when I was a kid. I went through some things. I remember the Jesus movement of the 70s. I remember the end time revival of the 80s and the great outpouring that we said was happening at the turn of the century. I was a part of that. And God let it be known that it will not happen apart from His creation. He wants to use us. God chooses to limit Himself. He wants to work through man and not outside of man. Whether you accept this or not, He needs us to complete His task on this earth. So why don't we give Him the best we have, even in the worst of times? Anybody can praise Him when the stocks, when the, when the, when the, when the, when the, when the barn is full. And when the stock is, is, in the, is, in the, is in the pen and things are happening great and wonderful things are happening, you're getting a raise every day, every other week you're getting a raise, you're getting a new car, a new house. But can you praise Him in tough times like this right here? You see, He's the same God of the good times as He is of the bad times. Can you praise Him right now? Would you mind clapping your hands and showing me that you can? I'm not far from finishing. He said in the last days, I'm going to pour my Spirit on all flesh. Not on all spirit, but flesh. But God will not move in your life until you cooperate with Him. You know, there's a man in the Old Testament named Goliath, and, 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 and he was the first, I think, the first 666 man. He was an antichrist. 
Because he challenged the God of the armies of the Lord. He challenged him. And he did it this way. He said, send me a man. Give me somebody out here. I want, I want a man out here. I want a man. Give me somebody that will fight against me. Now, Goliath was a man that had six cubits of height, which meant he was about nine foot six. He's a big man. And he had six different weapons on his body. And I can name them to you. I won't take the time, but I've got them in my notes. And he had a spear that weighed 600 cubits. I mean, 600 uh, shekels. And so, the bottom line is that he was a six, six, six. But when David came out, a teenager that wasn't even old enough to go to war, he picked him up five smooth stones because he'd been practicing on sheep. And he'd throw that stone in front of those sheep when they'd start wandering off. And they'd turn around and come back because he hit them right in front of the nose saying, uh, you don't need to go there. And he knew that this man was something that had to be brought down. Here's what I love. Listen to me now. Goliath was massive. He was massive. He was 666. And David never called him a giant. He never called him a giant. He said, you're out of covenant with the Lord. You're an uncircumcised man. You're out of covenant with the Lord. And David said, you come with me to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the senior partner in my firm. I come in the name of the Lord. And he took him out. Here's what I want to tell you. It didn't take a full-grown man. It took a teenager to take him out because God's got enough power and enough grace and enough glory to do things for us that we can only imagine. He can do it. He can do it, and He will do it. It doesn't matter what's against us. Start telling the world who's for us right now. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Clap your hands and rejoice. Every, every, every victory has two components, the supernatural and the natural. And the natural is second. Many times we want to get these out of place, but see, God opened the Red Sea and He took Daniel through a lion's den and He brought the Hebrew boys out of the fiery furnace. But before that happened, Moses put a rod out to open the Red Sea and Daniel prayed three times a day and the Hebrew boys wouldn't bow their knee to the idol of Baal. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God is looking for people to take a stand in this hour. He's looking for us to talk some things and say this is what we're going to do. We, some, we sometimes look for the supernatural when God is looking for us to do something in the natural. We're saying God remove this, take this. No, 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 no. God make us stronger through this. Let us walk through this. You know, the Israelites went 430 years in this kind of situation. They were, they were beaten. They were, they, were, they were taken advantage of, but God brought them out. And I, I, I think, you know, Moses, I mean, Job, they say his, his trial went about six months. And folks, if we can't take six months of some of this stuff, we're kind of having a problem in our life. You need to get a hold of a God that I'm preaching about today and say, you know what? He is my senior partner and I'm joined to Him and we can win this thing in the name of the Lord. Say it with me right now. We can win it. We can win it. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 18, whatever you bind, say whatever I bind, will be bound. And say whatever you loose, will be loosed. You say it, 
I do it. You say it, I do it. Mark 16 said, These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Because if God gives us enough grace to say it, He has enough power to do it. He is our senior partner. In fact, Jesus used this phrase a lot in the Bible, What do you want me to do for you? Just open your mouth and say it. What do you want me to do for you? Sometimes we just get into this, Oh, I feel so sorry for me, pity party. And God can't help that kind of situation. He's got to get you declaring some things. Declaring some things. You've got to declare some things. The Word made the worlds. And your Word, because you're a creative being of Almighty God, your words can create worlds of victory in your life. Go home today. Make some declarations over your home. Go home today. Make some declarations. Go to your office tomorrow. Make some declarations. You don't have to shout out loud. Go to the bathroom and say, I declare in the name of the Lord. Get in your car and make some declarations. I'm not going to have road rage. Make some whatever declaration you want to make. Go to your tomorrow making declarations. Say amen to that. You know, the prophet in 2 Kings chapter 4, there was a widow woman who had lost her husband. He had died. And Obadiah had hidden the prophets in the caves. And, and the creditor was come and, and was going to take from her and take her sons into captivity. She had two sons. And Elisha came along and, and he said, I got a question for you, hon. What, what do you have in your house? Let me ask you, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? And, and she said, I have nothing. I have nothing. I don't have anything. I have nothing. And then it hit her. Oh, God, I'm talking to a prophet. I better say something here. She said, save a pot of oil. I got a pot of oil in my house. And Elisha said, oh, that's good. That's cool. I got a pot of oil. He said, that's cool. He said, I want you to go find vessels. Find all you can find. And borrow not a few. Get all you can find. And pour the oil out in those vessels. And the Bible said her sons, and she went out and got vessels. And as long as they brought vessels in, there was enough oil in the house to fill the vessel. The vessels ran out before the oil ran out. Are you with me today? God will not run out of His anointing, hallelujah, until we run out of vessels. You listen to me. Everybody needs to have what this church possesses in this third service today on Sunday. We need some oil in the house. We need some anointing in the house. We need some victory in the house. Come on, say it. We need an anointing in our life. We need victory in our life. Speak it. And the senior executive will let it happen in your world even in this pandemic. In this pandemic. In this pandemic. Make room. Make room. I got to close. I got four minutes. I got to close. You're doing all right though, son. Yeah. Thank you. It's better than I was 50 years ago. I promise that. Hezekiah was a king in the Old Testament. Was up against some horrible armies. And there was an Assyrian king that said, now you got to get this. You got, you got, you'll chew on this. He said, if you can find me 2,000 riders, I'll give you 2,000 horses. If you'll find me people who know how to ride, I'll provide the horses. What God is saying, if you can do some things, if you can stand up against some things, if you can walk in this world with me in, as your partner right now, I will give you the power. 
I'll give you the power to ride through this and come out on the other side. It's time for us to say, I want to ride. I want to ride this out through with Jesus Christ in my life. He said, I will give you that if you will give me riders. You know, if you're praying for a baby, and we are as a church, we're praying for babies here. If you're praying for a baby, you know, you need to maybe start fixing up a nursery. Paint it blue, paint it pink, or paint it blue and pink. You might be having two. You never know. <laughs> but to all the mamas in the house, I say congratulations. You're the greatest hero or sheroes of the whole world. You're awesome. I love mothers. I've got, uh, I've got three daughters. One's a mother of two, one's a mother of three, and one's fixing to have her fourth. And God, if I had another daughter, I guess she'd have five. I don't know. <laughs> but what a joy. I love moms. But you've got to prepare for growth in the family. And that's what we're doing right now in this church. We're having three services on Sunday. We're having an overflow in the, in, over there. And we're, we're having to just be half full in here. And it, it's tough. It's hard. But you folks have made it so precious because we're preparing for something. We're, we're building something over here. And it's going to be a, a baby booming situation. It's going to be new births. It's going to be people being healed. It's going to be people being saved. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. I love... I love what one old preacher said one time. He said, God will always demand some sweat equity in your life. James said, show me your faith without works and I'll show you mine with works. You got to prepare for this thing called a baby booming church. This church is going to be blessed mightily in the last day. See, let me just say this, and I'm not trying to get you hyped right now. In the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit. So here's what I want to tell you. This church is not going out with a limp. It's going out leaping. It's not going to go out with doubt. It's going to go out with shouting. It's not going to go out defeated. It's going to go out victorious because he built it and he's the author of it and he's the finisher of it. And we might as well just join on to victory and be the junior executives of the senior chief officer in our life. Amen. Amen. What do you have in your house? So here's a life question. Life question. Do you think God would cheat you if you was playing him in a game? You think he'd cheat? You think he'd take his turn without his turn? I've played with people that moved out of turn. And I've slapped their hands before. <laughs> and I used to get my hand slapped because I wanted to play sometime and mama would slap my hand so I became a hand slapper. <laughs> you quit that. Don't do that. It's not your turn. And God, sometimes we say move God and God said it's not my turn. It's your turn. It's your turn. God will not do your part. He will not do your part. A lady in the church one time was about to have a baby. She said, Lord, when I have this baby, will you help me change his diapers? And the Lord said to her, I am the Lord and I change not. That's the funniest thing I've said today. God established principles. Principle. He needs people. When he fed the 5,000, he said, feed them. Give them something to eat. Philip said, Lord, oh, we don't have, we just got 200 penny worth. We don't have anything. We ain't got anything to feed him. But he asked man to do something first. And he said, okay, have the men sit down in 50s. I want you to be involved in this miracle. I want you to be involved in this miracle. And when I can get you involved in it, I can do some great things. And God got him involved. And he took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 men plus women and children because God can take over. When his junior executives know how to work with him. So listen to me. Listen to me. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. 
We're going to be all right. I believe that with all my heart. We're going to be all right. I buried a precious man. I had a funeral here yesterday of a precious man. Brother Richard Tess was awesome. He was my friend. He always, he was an, I called him the elevator man. He always lifted me to another level with his kindness and his compliments and his words to me. He was a great guy. And he died of COVID. And I am so sorry. And I'm sorry for the family. And I'm sorry for everybody that is battling that right now. I'm sorry for it. And I thank God that he's protected me. But I want to declare something. We will come out of this. In the name that's above every name, we will come out of this. In fact, when hell starts pushing on you, just start calling on a name that's above every name. It always has worked. It always will work. So I close. So what's the formula, Pastor? What's the formula? Well, if God gave Adam naming rights, then when the Lord came, when Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came and went to Cana of Galilee and performed His first miracle, they ran out of wine. And Mary, his mother, said, they have no wine. And he said to her, what have I to do with you? Mine hour is not yet come. And she just ignored him. Because she knew she was the under officer to the chief executive. And she had an extra little touch on him because she was mama. And she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now, you got to get this, folks. you got to get this. This is overwhelming me today, and it's so simple, it's profound. He said, fill the water pots with water. Let me say it again. Fill the water pots with water. 30 gallons would fill a water pot. There were six of them, 180 gallons, 180 gallons of water. You had to go to the well. You had to find some source to fill that up. They didn't have running water. You had to go get some. It took some sweat equity. But when they filled those vessels, he said, now draw out and give it to the governor. And the governor tasted it, and Greg Abbott said, this is good. good. Hear me. You hear me. Hear me. We need people that in this pandemic will come with their vessels full, running over, saying, God, change me, use me to witness and tell somebody about the goodness and the grace of God during this time right now. Hear me. He didn't call us to save people. He didn't call us to heal people. He called us to be his voice and his junior executive. And I found that out 50 years ago on this day in 1970. I know it's hard to believe I'm 60 years old. I got through school real quick. I was in my sophomore year of college at 10. Amen. That's the only untruth I've told today. Would you stand? You're awesome people. I love you. Clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. You know, I always like to think that I will finish a sermon before you get tired of listening to me. You know, there's some things that you eat at the table and your taster still wants to taste it, but you're full and you can't eat no more. But you're not tired of tasting it. So it is with the Word of God. Our taster ought to be this right here. We need to have this in our life. Let your taster find its way to get in this Word and taste the Word. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I love you folks. Y'all are amazing people. And uh, I think I'm going to get this love thing down pretty quick. And whoever wrote that card, please come tell me. Because that's bugging me. 
to have a beautiful card written to my wife and I like that and no name on it. And the, the handwriting was out of this world. Maybe the Lord sent it to me. I don't know. <laughs> Take somebody by the hand if you're a family member. If not, just lift your hands upward, all of us together. Lift your hands up. Dear Father, I bless this third audience today. I bless this third service. I thank you, Lord, because you taught me a principle 50 years ago one night, one night in church. You revealed to me that I could be in your firm, your grace firm, and I am. I'm a part of it. Thank you for that. So, Lord, when I run out of things to pray about, you said if I just ask, would be given. If I would seek, I would find. If I would knock, it would be open. You said if I would plant, it would grow. You said if I would give, it would be given back to me. It's just little old one-word things, Lord, but you gave us dominion over that. And I believe, God, if we become givers, if we become praisers, if we fill ourselves up when we come to the house of God and not come in here dragging, but come in here bragging about our senior executive officer of the Grace Firm. I think we'll all be all right. Thank you for church. Thank you for today. Now, Lord, let us leave here a blessed people. Let us leave here an honored people. Let us leave here a, a good people. And come back next Sunday for more of the Word, and more of your praise, and more of the miracles of God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.